Um, this this morning, um, if you'll turn with me to First John chapter five. First John chapter five, and begin reading in verse seven. First John five seven. For there are three that bear record in heaven: the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Um, if the Lord would bless us this morning, I'd like to look at the subject of the Trinity of the Godhead. The Trinity of the Godhead. Um, the word Trinity isn't in the Bible. So we don't have to use that. That's fine. We just quote First John 5, 7. For there's three that bear record in heaven, the Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Um, there's lots of words that aren't in the Bible. The word sovereignty is not in the Bible, even though we believe in God's sovereignty, right? So it's okay to use words that aren't in the Bible if we define them according to biblical terms. So I use the word Trinity of the Godhead. What do I mean by that? I mean that there are three persons. And I'm using a biblical word when I say persons. We'll look at that. There's three persons in the Godhead, but yet there's only one God. The Father is God, the Holy Spirit is God, and the Word is God. In John chapter 1, verse 11, I believe it says, And the Word was made flesh. This is the Son of God, the eternal Word of God. John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. And then a few verses later says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the, as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's Jesus Christ, is the eternal Word of God that was made flesh. He was manifest in the flesh to take away our sins. So we talk about the, the uh, Godhead, the Trinity of the Godhead. It's, it's a very... It's a difficult thing to understand, so it's a difficult thing to kind of talk about, too, because it seems to not resonate with our understanding. How that there's three that are one. There's not three gods. There's just one God. And this, is a, this is a truth that the reason that we believe in the Trinity of, I'll say, the Godhead, is because the Bible reveals it. The Bible teaches that there's only one God. The Bible also teaches that the Father is God. The Son is God. And the Holy Spirit is God. But there's not three gods. There's only one God. Someone says, you know, some people can't abide that. That's not rational. I can't believe that. Well, you know, we're supposed to believe what's revealed to us. There's a lot of people can't believe in a virgin birth because it makes no sense to them. How can you be born and have not a father? Right? Uh, well, there's a heavenly father. You know, a lot of people have hard time comprehending. You know, we can believe in the virgin birth. I mean, Mary didn't even understand, right? How can this thing be? You say, I'm going to have a son? I don't, I know not a man. How can I have a, have a child? Says the Holy Ghost is going to overshadow you. That holy thing that should be born of you should be called the Son of God. Well, it happened. 
It's real. I may not understand the ins and outs of any, all that. All right. I may not understand how God can can uh, take the Red Sea and part it and it stand up. See, there's things that are miracles. It's hard. You know, it's just the way it is. But there's certain truths that maybe not a miracle. There's things that's hard to be understood. As a matter of fact, the apostle, I just remember over there in Peter, in one of Peter's epistles, he talked about there were some things that Paul wrote that was hard to be understood. Well, I'd have to concur with that. There's some things that Peter wrote that I think is hard to be understood. All right. So there's things that are hard to be understood. The Trinity is one of those things that's hard to be understood. And but people can get if, if you know out of balance on this truth. And there's there's people that are Unitarians. They don't believe in the Trinity of the Godhead. All right. Um, there's people that uh, um, there's there's group of people. I've, I've noticed that a lot of times um, those with charismatic backgrounds, they they don't they kind of discount the father to some extent. It's all about Jesus. They actually even pray to Jesus, not to the Father. As a matter of fact, I was asked one time, they, I was in public prayer, and they said, why are you praying to the Father? Because they pray to Jesus. Well, I pray to the Father because Jesus said we should pray to the Father. And in the model prayer, he said, Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. John said, Luke chapter 11, he says, teach us to pray. He says, when you pray, say this, our Father which art in heaven. Go to Matthew 6, 6. Jesus actually says, Pray to the Father. That's why I do. But so there's people have different ideas about this. But there's three. So we want to just affirm what the scriptures. I don't know anything about this other than what the scriptures teach, right? And that's all I should be preaching is the word, right? I shouldn't give you my opinions or my you know dreams or anything. Over in, in Jer, uh, Jeremiah, I think 23, it says, He that hath a dream, let him tell a dream, but he that hath my word, let him preach it faithfully. It may not be an exact quote, but we're to preach the word. Uh, in uh, Timothy chapter 2, verse uh, 4, verse 1, I charge thee before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. That's what Paul told the young man Timothy. So, uh, the word of God says there's three that bear record in heaven. There's three divine persons. I'm going to, you know, maybe maybe my exp- my words, see, it's as hard. I'm going to say there's three persons who subsist in one divine essence. Three persons. You say, why are you using the word persons? Well, because, let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. That's an actual biblical concept that it speaks that Jesus is the express image of the Father's person. Okay? Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. See if that's that's so. Hebrews chapter 1, we start in verse 1. God who at sundry times and in divers manners <clears throat> spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. Now he spoke, speaking of the son, I think this is from the father, right? To the son, right? Speaking of his son. He says, <clears throat> God... Has spoken unto us by his son, whom at the point of heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds. By whom also he made the worlds. That's, that's Jesus, right? Remember what I said over there in, in John 1 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. He was in the creation. Jesus, the Son of God, I'll say that, the Son of God, 
the word was in creation. All right. And he says, who being the brightness, this is this is his son, has spoken unto us by his son. And uh, we won't get into the, you know, a lot of people make a difference. Well, he wasn't the son until he was born. Well, I beg to differ. Uh, this, uh, anyway, that's not a, the subject on my mind. Go read Psalms 2. It talks about the capital S-O-N in the Old Testament. And anyway, this text says that he has spoken unto us by his son, by whom he created, uh, it says, uh, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son, who hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person. That's the father's person, if I understand this right, that Jesus is the express image of the father's person. When he had by himself purged our sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. So we see, uh, so I'm trying to use biblical language when I say that there's persons. Okay? There's three persons in the Godhead. Um, when we talk about the Godhead, you know, people's had different ideas. Unitarians don't believe in the Trinity. You have uh, folks that used to be called Sabellians. That's probably after some guy's name. He came up with the idea that, you know, here's how I'm going to explain the Trinity is you got, you got, because uh, there's only one God. So in the Old Testament, you've got the Father. And then in the New Testament, he was at the birth of Christ. The Father was transformed into the Son and no Father anymore, no Holy Spirit. And then the Holy, then Jesus said, if I go away, I'll send the Comforter. So he sends the Spirit. So you have the Father only in the Old Testament. Then you have the Son for a short period. Then you have the Holy Spirit now. Um, but that's not how it is. Um, what I mean when I talk about there's three that there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, the Holy Ghost. These three are one. These three, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It's not that one morphs into the other. They all three exist at the same time simultaneously that's why you know uh we see here in let's just look at this in 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 matthew chapter um three when jesus was baptized see we see all three persons of the godhead in one place at one time after john baptized jesus and jesus in the water he came up Verse 16, he was coming up out of the water, says, And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were opened unto him, and he saw the Spirit. Now notice, he's in Jordan. He just came up out of the water. What did he see? He saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus is in the water. The Holy Spirit is seen coming down and they hear the Father's voice from heaven. All three exist at the same time or simultaneously. It's not one goes into... No, there's three. There are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. As a matter of fact, Jesus, when he said go over there in Matthew chapter 28, verse 18, says go in... Uh, and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. I know a lot of people and I, uh, that baptize just in the name of Jesus. 
And I know there's some references in Acts where they said they were baptized in the name of Jesus. But I have the words of Jesus Christ instructing how to do it. He says, baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Uh, when I baptize someone, I baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Why? Because Jesus told me to. Why would I not? Why would I not? Well, yeah, but I, I see some examples over here in the, in the book of Acts where they didn't do that. Well, you know what? If I had to take a few examples here, or what Jesus Christ actually told me to do. What do you think I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Jesus said. Alright. Baptize in the name of the Father. The Son and the Holy Spirit. We see them all three here. In Jesus' baptism. The Father speaking from heaven. The Son who's coming up out of the water. And the Holy Spirit that's descending upon him. We see three, and there's different places. Let's go to one more in John chapter 14. John chapter 14. Verse 26. Jesus is teaching prior to his week there in Jerusalem, his crucifixion. He's about to depart. That's where, this is where he says in 14.1, Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, etc., etc. I go to prepare a place for you. In this same teaching, he's talking about that if I go away, I'm going to send the comforter, which is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of truth. He says in verse 26, But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. Here you have Jesus, who is God, Jesus Christ is God saying that uh, uh, the Father is going to send the Spirit. You have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit mentioned here in the same place. Um, before we go on further, let me just say this. When we think about the Trinity of the Godhead, you know, man's composed of a spirit, soul, and body. First uh, Thessalonians 5.23, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless and of the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're made up of three. Okay. So part of me is the body, part of me is the spirit, part of me is the soul. So you might think, well, that's a three and one. Maybe that's how it is with God. No, it's, it's, it's not that way with God. In other words, the Father's not a part of God, the Son's not a part, and the Holy Spirit's not a part. It's not that way. The Father is fully 100% God. The Son is 100% God. Not just a third. The Holy Spirit is 100% God. But there's not three gods, there's just one. So that doesn't make any sense. Well, you know, the Bible teaches it. <laughs> you know, there's a scripture over here. Let me, let me give you a scripture on, on this. So go, go to Colossians chapter 2. Speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, here's what it says about him. <clears throat> Verse 8 says, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Who's the subject? Christ. For in him, who? Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. So he's not a third God. In, he, in Christ dwells the fullness of the Godhead. In the Father dwelleth all, the fullness of the Godhead. The Holy Spirit in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead. In Christ dwelleth 
All the fullness of the Godhead. But there's one difference. In him it's bodily. In him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He's 100% God. The Father's 100% God. The Holy Spirit's 100% God. Not thirds. Not parts. It's not that way. Alright? You say, well, if the Father's God, the Holy Spirit's God, the Son is God, it sounds like there's three. Well, there's three persons in the one Godhead. There's only one God. There's only one. Alright, so how do you know there's just one? Well, the Bible's clear there's just one. Alright, let's look. Let's go to Deuteronomy chapter 6. And then we'll go to Mark chapter 12. I'm just giving you a heads up. Alright. Because Jesus is going to quote out of Deuteronomy. Alright, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. How many are there? How many lords are there? It says there's just one, right? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. There's only one. Over here in Mark chapter 12, when some came and asked Jesus, what is the great commandment, which is the first commandment of all, he quotes from Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Let's go to Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> this is the testimony of Jesus. There is only one Lord. <clears throat> Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, verse 28. And one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? Mark twelve twenty nine. Jesus answered him, The first of all the commandments is, now he quotes out of Deuteronomy 6, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. The second is like unto this. Namely, they shalt, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Alright? Sums up the tables of the law. Love for God and love for your neighbor. But here, O Israel, he starts out, here, O Israel, there's one. Our Lord, our God, how many of There's one. There's only one. First Corinthians chapter 8. The Apostle Paul affirms the same truth. He says at the end of verse 4, he says, there is none other God but one. None other God but one. Okay? There's only one God. There's none other God but one. If we go to James chapter 2, James affirms the same thing. James chapter 2, verse 19. He asks a question. Or he makes a statement. He says, Thou believest that there is one God? Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Alright, you, you, you know, I've read that scripture many times. 
You realize he threw the one in there? He didn't just say, if thou believest God, that there is a God. He says, thou believest there's one God. Well, I'm going to tell you what. If you believe today that there's one God, you're doing well. You know why? Because it's true. There's only one. Thou believest that there's three gods. Thou doest well. He didn't say that, did he? There aren't three gods. No, you wouldn't be doing well because there's not three. There's only one. Here, O Lord, there, our Lord, God is only one Lord. There's only one God. Thou believest that there's one God. Thou doest well. The reason they're doing well is because it's the truth. There is only one God. There's not multiple gods. There's only one. The Bible affirms that over and over. Jesus affirmed it. Paul affirmed it. James affirmed it. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 44. Verse 6. Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. God says there's none other than me. And this is Jehovah God. You know it's Jehovah God because, you know, God has, uh, Elohim is, is translated God. There's, uh, other, you know, I'm no Hebrew scholar, but there's different words in the Old Testament that's translated God that means God. The one God. But the word Jehovah, um, in the King James Version, if you ever notice, sometimes the, 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 the word Lord is all in caps. That's because it's translated from, from Jehovah. That means Jehovah. Yahweh. Jehovah God. Sometimes it's just a capital L, small O, or O-R-D, uh, which comes from another Hebrew word. I'll just give you that. So, this is saying, I, this is the all caps, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, this is Jehovah God, says, I am the first and I am the last, and beside me there is no God. Go to Isaiah chapter 45, verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, though thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none other. There is only one, one God. One God. All right. So we have testimony. Why do you believe there's just one God? Well, the Bible teaches there's just one God. Well, why do you believe the Father's God? Because the Bible teaches He's God. Why do you, why do you believe that Jesus is God? Well, because the Bible teaches He's God. Why do you believe the Holy Spirit's God? Well, because the Bible teaches He's God. I just, we're, we receive this truth. There's only one God, but there's three persons who subsist in one divine essence. Okay? So the, it's easy to prove the Father is God. Right? I mean, you know, it talks about God the Father. Right? Many places. Uh, let's just look at a few places. Let's go to Romans. Let's talk about the Father for a little bit. The Father is God. If we go to Romans chapter 1, verse 7, the Apostle Paul writing to the, the brethren there at Rome, he says, to all that be in Rome, verse 7, to all that be in Rome, beloved of God, called to be saints, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. So, he says God is our Father. God our Father. Uh, let's turn to Galatians chapter 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, 
I'll wait till you get over there. I'm, I'm going to have to get there myself. Galatians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead. And all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia, grace be to you and peace from God the Father. God the Father. We read that many times. God the Father. God the Father. We see it in Ephesians too. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 3. Who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. You know, you could go uh, Thessalonians. Let's get to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. talks about uh, the Father. Um, verse 12. And the Lord... Uh, see, uh, the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another, even toward uh, toward all men, even as we do towards you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable and holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ with all his saints. There's lots of places you could go. Uh, let's go one more. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. We're looking at places where, sure enough, the Bible refers to the Father as God. God the Father. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, this is talking about when the end comes and all enemies are put down. We find, the, let's just read it, verse 24. 1 Corinthians 15, 24. Then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom. That's, he's speaking of Christ in the context. He talks about that. Uh, verse 22, for in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive, but every man his own fruits. Christ the firstborn, afterwards they that are Christ at his coming. So he's, the subject is Christ. Then cometh the end when he, Christ, shall have delivered up the kingdom to God, even the Father, when he shall have put down all rule and authority and power. So, sure enough, the Father is God. God the Father. That's easy to see. You know, there's a lot of people, though, that, that don't believe in the deity of Christ. Because I can't get through, I don't, for different reasons. But, uh, you know, if you, if you look at a New World Translation, uh, which is the Bible that Jehovah's Witnesses use, like John 1 that I quoted a while ago, it says it this way. In the beginning uh, was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. Small G-O-D. New World Translation. Go check me out. A God. But there's a lot, especially some of the newer versions uh, that a lot of the new translations come for, they, they don't, there's a suppression of the deity of Christ. For, for whatever reason, it's so. It's so. Um, but anyway, um, what about Christ? Jesus Christ. In him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We've already quoted maybe two or three times now. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. And that Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is God. In 1 Thessalonians 3.16 it says, Great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Can we all agree that God... Manifesting himself in the flesh is a great mystery. I mean, I got Bible says it is. I also agree from experience. 
I don't understand it. But great is the mystery of godliness. God, I mean, that, I'm, I'm, there's several things there. I'm just getting the last part. God was manifest in the flesh. All right? That's a great mystery. Um, but yet, it's true. Jesus Christ is God. All things were made by Him. The Word of God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. You know, even in, now I mentioned the, the creation. You know, you know where we begin to get an idea in God's Word of multiple, I'll say, persons in the Godhead, a plurality in the Godhead. We go to Genesis. Let's go to Genesis just for a minute. We have little hints. The very first book of the Bible. You know, on the, the sixth day after he made all these creatures or whatever, he made man. You remember what God said in verse 29? 129. Genesis 129. And God said, and I'm sorry, verse 26. After he made the beasts. Look in Genesis 126. And God said, let us make man in our image after our Likeness. What's all this us and ours? Let us make man in our image? Who in the world is he talking to? Well, there's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and Holy Ghost. These three are one. The plurality of the Godhead is spoken of in Genesis chapter 1. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. You had the Father, you had the Word, and you had the Holy Spirit. Way back in there. No wonder. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. All things were made by Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In other words, He was in all of the creation. Eternal Word of God. Let us make man in our image after our likeness. And then in the fall. In Genesis chapter 3. Verse 22, and the Lord God said, behold, the man has become as one of us to know good and evil. What? He's become as one of us. That speaks of plurality, does it not? Go to Genesis chapter 11. When they started making that Tower of Babel to reach unto, unto heaven, God went down and confused their language. What did he say? Verse 7. Go to, let us go down and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad. Let us go down. Let us make man. They become as one of us. So we see the plurality of the Godhead is even in the book of Genesis. There is a plurality of the Godhead. Not three gods. So brother, is there three gods? No. Lord our God is one Lord. There's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, there's the Word, and the Holy Ghost. But they're all, but there's only one. You say, well, one plus one plus one is three. Well, yeah, but one times one times one is still one. I don't know if that's, I've heard that try to explain that, but it sounds cute. 
I don't know that really adds anything, but the three are one. It's someone's attempt to say there's three, there's a one, 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 multiplying together, you still have one. It's just an attempt because it makes no sense to our brains how three can be one. There's not three, there's one. Why do we believe that again? The Bible teaches there's only one God. Thou believest there's one God? Well, you're doing well because that's all there is. But there's three that bear record in heaven. The Father is God. But the Son is God too. The Word, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God, and the Word is God. And that Word that's made flesh is God. Jesus said, I and my Father are one. And there's a sense in which he's not just talking about in unity. Do you know when Jesus in the ninth chapter of Isaiah, I believe, unto us the son is born. Remember? Talking about the prophetic uh, prophecy about the virgin birth of Christ. His name shall be called Counselor. His name shall be called the Mighty God. This one born of a virgin. His name's going to be called the Mighty God. And I'll give you one that even flip your mind worse than that. He says his name's also Everlasting Father. One of the titles of Jesus is he's the Everlasting Father. He's the Mighty God. Okay. Well, there's only one God. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 1. <coughs> Hebrews chapter 1. We just finished with verse 3. Who being the brightness of his glory. Talking of Christ. And the express image of his person. Upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Set down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Who is that that set down on the right hand? The Son. Our mediator. To the right hand of the Father. Being made so much better than the angels. And if you've studied through the book of Hebrews. You realize that there's, there's a constant comparisons going on. Hebrews 1. God who at sundry times and in divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets. You know, God once spake by the prophets, but now he's speaking unto us by his son. Now he's fixing to go into a section where he's talking, showing how much superiority Christ has over the angels. You keep reading in the book of Hebrews and he'll, he'll, he'll go, he'll deal with Abraham, showing how much superiority Christ has from Abraham and then from Moses and then the, from the, from the, uh, the, his priesthood after the order of Melchizedek versus that of the Levitical priesthood. There's a progression. There's back and forth. Right now, he's talking about angels. He says he was made so much better than the angels as he hath by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than they. Christ obtained a more excellent name than just these angels. He gives some examples. In the Old Testament, prophetic references concerning his son, Jesus Christ. He says he has received... He was made so much better than the angels as he had by inheritance. He's obtained a more excellent name than they, than the angels. He says, for under, for under which of the angels said he at any time, which of the angels did God ever say, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Never did say that to an angel. He's quoting out of the Old Testament, okay? He's quoting out of the Old Testament. And he's saying, 
Under which of the angels said he, at time, said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. God never said that in prophetic reference in the Old Testament where he's quoting out of that. Quoting that out of, he's never said that to an angel. That was a prophetic reference speaking of his son, Jesus Christ. Then he says, after he says, For under which of the angels said he at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be unto me a son. There's another prophetic reference, which God never said it to the angels. The point is, he's saying, he's bringing these Old Testament scriptures, showing this was said about the Son of God, not angels. That's the context. And again, when he bring the first begotten into the world, he saith, and let all the angels of God worship him. There's another Old Testament reference, speaking of Christ. And this one says, let all the angels of God worship him. He did say something about angels. Look at the next verse. He says, but unto the angels, he saith, thy throne, O God. He says, but unto the angels, he saith, who maketh his angel spirits and his ministers a flame of fire. Now he's going back to the sun. Prophetic references that deal with the sun. But unto the sun, he saith, he's quoting out of the Old Testament, a reference, a scripture concerning Jesus Christ, the Son. But unto the sun, he saith, Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter of righteousness is the scepter of thy kingdom. So what's my point? My point is, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that calls him God. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. That was said about Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is God. Jesus Christ is God. Alright? He's, the Word is God and word was God. And Jesus Christ is God. He's been... Uh, let's look at... Uh, turn, turn with me to Titus. The book of Titus. Paul wrote this... It says, Paul, Titus chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a servant of God and an apostle of Jesus Christ, according to the faith of God's elect and the acknowledging of the truth, which is after godliness and hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began, but hath in due times manifested his word through preaching. Okay, verse 3. Which is committed unto me according to the commandment of God our Savior. Underline that. Not your, well, I mean just... Notice it. God our Savior. To Titus, mine own son, after the common faith, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. Now, both three, verse three and four talks about a Savior. One says God's our Savior. The other said the Lord Jesus Christ is our Savior, which is correct. Both. That's right. God our Savior. The Lord Jesus Christ, our Savior. They're both correct because Jesus Christ is God. He's God. Manifest in the flesh. He is God. Let me ask you a question. Who was it that took your sins on Himself and He died on the cross and He purchased you with his own blood. Was that Jesus? Amen. But I, I show you scripture says God purchased you with his own blood. That's not inconsistent because Jesus is God. 
Go with me to to, uh, the book of Acts chapter 20. And I have to confess, I read over this many, many, many times. Preaching many years before I really even, this just hit me. Acts chapter 20. This is where Paul's going to Jerusalem. He stops by Ephesus and he addresses the elders there. And he's telling them, verse 28, Take heed unto yourselves and unto all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God which he hath purchased with his own blood. You know what the antecedent to the word he is? That he purchased? It's God. You feed the flock of God which God purchased with his own blood. See, Jesus... God died on a cross about 2,000 years ago. That's right. God, in Him dwelleth the fullness of the Godhead by He is God. God's the Savior of sinners. Says, Jesus saved me. Well, God saved you. There is no other Savior than God. Go with me to the Old Testament, Isaiah 43. Back over there in Titus. God our Savior versus Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. There's no inconsistency because Jesus Christ is God. And He's the only Savior. There's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. He's the only, Jesus is the only Savior. Guess what? The only Savior that exists is Jehovah God. Let's look in Isaiah chapter 43. Read him here in verse... 11, I, even I am the Lord. That's all in caps. That means that's Jehovah God. That's Yahweh. This is Jehovah God is saying, I, even I am Jehovah. And beside me, there is no Savior. He is the only Savior. Because Jesus Christ is Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. There's only one God. God saves sinners. Jesus saves sinners because he is God. There's not multiple gods. There's only one God. Besides that, he's also the everlasting father. (laughs) He's the mighty God. He's the prince of peace. He is God. Fully God. There's only one God. There's only one Savior. It's Jehovah God. Well, who's Jesus? Jehovah God manifest in the flesh. He's God. He has the fullness of the Godhead bodily. We read over here in... uh, um, Okay, Isaiah 44. Turn the page. If you're still over there, 43, turn the page. We started out one of our texts while ago showing there's only one God. Verse 6. What does it say in verse 6? Thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and His Redeemer, the Lord of hosts. Again, that's Jehovah God. He says, I am the first and I am the last And beside me, there is no God. He's the only God that there is. And He's the first, and He's the last, and there's none other. He's the first and the last. Do you know who said that in the New Testament? Jesus. You remember there in Revelation chapter 1, where He spake, John was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and He heard this voice speaking behind Him. He says when He turned, He saw, and He pictures Christ, and he fell down. 
And what did, what did, what did, he says in verse 17, Revelation chapter 1, and when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. And he laid his right hand upon me, saying to me, fear not, I am the first, and I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I'm alive forevermore. This is Jesus Christ. He is the first. He is the last. He's Jehovah God. He was just manifest in the flesh. He is God. The Father is God. Jesus is God. And every knee is going to bow to Him one day because He's Jehovah God. Let's turn back to Isaiah chapter 45. Verse 23. After He says in verse 21, He says, There's no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There's none beside me. This is Jehovah God saying that. He says, verse 23, I've sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness that, I, that and shall not return, that unto me every knee shall bow, every tongue shall swear. That's saying that every knee, one of these days, is going to bow to Jehovah God. But I find over in Romans chapter 14, verse 10, he says we all must appear before the judgment seat of Christ, for it's written, every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess, so they shall also give account of himself to God. That's Romans 14, 10, 11. And where? The judgment seat of Christ. Well, there's no conflict there. Jesus is the first and last. He is Jehovah God. Every knee is going to bow to Jehovah God. They're going to bow to Jesus because he is God. The Father's God. The, Holy, the Son is God. The Holy Spirit's God too. You remember Ananias and Sapphira? Remember early New Testament church? They were selling property, you know, and, and to supply needs for the saints and laying the price of the property at the apostles' feet. And Ananias and Sapphira, they had a piece of property they wanted to sell and they decided they were going to sell it, but they kind of held back apart because they kind of greedy. They didn't want to give the full price. They just keep back apart. And that would have been okay, actually, if they'd have wanted to do that, but they pretended like that was the full price and they got them in big trouble because they both went to funerals that day and it was their own. So, and that's New Testament, by the way. They kept back part, Acts chapter 5, verse 1, they kept back part of the price, his wife also being privy to it, and, and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter and Ananias, but Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost and to keep back a part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not thine own power? In thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. Well, verse 3 says he lied to the Holy Ghost. Verse 4 says he lied to God. Which was it? Right. He lied to God. The Holy Spirit of God. The Holy Spirit of God isn't just a feeling. People say, well, I got the Spirit, blah, blah, blah. It's not a feeling. It's not an emotion. God is a person. The Holy Spirit is a He. Let's go back to, uh, and we could, we're running out of time. You compare Isaiah chapter 6 and Acts chapter 28. He quotes over there in uh, Acts chapter 28. Paul's quoting out of Isaiah 6. And in the 28th chapter of Acts, it says, Well spake, uh, well spake the Holy Ghost by Isaiah the prophet, saying thus, 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 thus. You go back, you find that God said those things. In other words, 
God moved Isaiah. Here's God's words. Thus saith the Lord. He said some things there in Acts, in Isaiah chapter 6. But over here in Acts chapter 28, it says the Holy Ghost said those things. Well, was it God that said them over in Isaiah 6? Or was it the Holy Ghost that said it? Well, yes. The Holy Ghost is God. Let's turn real quickly to John chapter 14 again. The Holy Spirit is a he. Verse 16 says, I will pray the comforter and he shall give you another. I pray the father and he shall give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him. But ye know him. The Holy Spirit's a him. But ye know him for he dwelleth with you. The Holy Spirit is a he. God is a he. Jesus is a he. The Holy Spirit is a he. Look back in verse 26. But the comforter which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. To your, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. The Holy Spirit is God. Jesus is God. Jesus Christ is God, manifest in the flesh. The Father is God, yet there's only one God. And I mentioned at the beginning, <clears throat> talk about prayer. Um, well, let's just stay right here just for a minute. So, so what do we make out of some of this? You know, when I think of the Father, and I think of the Son, and I think of the Holy Spirit, of course, Jesus is the Savior, right? He came to save His people from their sins. Principally, when Christ manifests Himself, as the as 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 God manifest in the flesh, we think of Jesus. There's none other name given among men whereby, whereby we must be saved. He's the one that came and saved us from our sins. Um, and what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to look. There's 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 work that each does. Like 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 right here, this the the Holy Spirit. Listen to what it said about God the Spirit. What's he going to do? He's he primarily is the one that teaches us. He witnesses truths in our hearts. Uh, Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says, For the Spirit of God bears witness with our spirit that we're the children of God. He bears witness to truth. He teaches us. If we could go, we don't, we're out of time, but if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it talks about the things which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual so there's there's so as I look here, I see that that there's there's in in a great degree the spirit of God is God uh, as the spirit of God. That's how He makes revelation to us. He reveals things to us. He teaches us. This is what this scripture is saying. I mean, all I know is what I can glean out of the scriptures. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name. So you have the Father, you have the Son, and you have the Spirit of God all right here. And you says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things. So look at what he's doing. He's teaching us 
all things. He's bringing to all things to your remembrance. So that's a special thing that the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, in, in as the Holy Spirit, that He blesses us by bringing things to remembrance, by teaching us. You know, we talked about in 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul wrote back to the Thessalonians and says, Our gospel came not unto you in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Ghost. See, Peter talked about the, those that preach the gospel with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven because the Holy Spirit confirms the truth that the preacher preaches and he manifests uh, God's word through preaching, it says in Titus 1 3. See, he's the teacher, he's the he's our teacher. The Holy Spirit's going to guide us, he teaches us, he brings things to remembrance. Jesus Christ is the one, He's our Savior from our sins. He, He bare our sins in His own body on the tree of the cross. He put our sins as far away as the east is from the west into uttermost parts of the sea and we, and give us His spotless righteousness that we live with Him one day, that we're saved from our sins through Him. Well, what about the Father? You know, the Father primarily, uh, it, it, we think of the Father, we pray to the Father because He's the one we pray to because He, He, He's in charge of providence. If you'll say, I mean, I'm not trying to exclude the Holy Spirit of Jesus, but there's an emphasis of the Father. Uh, let's go to Matthew chapter six. All right, Matthew chapter six. We find here he says, uh, "Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them; otherwise, you have no reward of your Father which is in heaven." I see the Father as you know over there in, uh, in James chapter one verse seventeen. He says, "Every." A good and perfect gift cometh from the Father of lights. You you know that scripture? Cometh from the Father. He, he didn't say the Holy Spirit. He didn't say the Son. I'm emphasizing the Father because God emphasized the Father. Every good and perfect gift cometh from the Father of lights. Here we find in Matthew chapter 5, he says, verse 6, But when you pray... Enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father. Which See, he's a father to his children. You know, a father takes care of his children. We have a heavenly father that loves us, that's taking care of us, that's providing for us day by day. That's why he said in this model prayer, he says, he says, when you pray, our father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done as it is in earth, so it is in heaven. Uh, give us this day our daily bread. Who is it that gives our daily bread? It's the father. He's taking care of us. Alright? He makes it rain on the just and on the unjust. It's the Father, you see. But here in verse 6, he says, When thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy Father, which is in secret, you see. And thy Father, which sitteth in secret, shall reward thee openly. There's prayer to the Father. And we find, if we keep looking in Matthew chapter 6, where he says in verse 25, I say therefore, take no thought for your life what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body what you shall put on. He says, verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air, they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. There's a reason he said the Father. He didn't say the Son, he didn't say the Holy Spirit. It's not because they're just as much God. I'm going to tell you that there's the Father is taking care and feeding the little birds out here, you see. He says, Which of you by taking thought can add one cubit to your stature? Why take ye thought for raiment? All right? If you go down here and and after uh, if you look in verse thirty two, he says uh, verse thirty one. Take no thought. Therefore, take no thought, saying what we shall eat or what we shall drink or wherewith we shall be clothed. 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth ye have need of all these things. See, it's the Father that feeds you, takes care of you. And that's beautiful when you think. I mean, I'm going to tell you what. There's no Father on this earth to compare to our heavenly Father that loves His children, promised to take care of them and provide for our needs. And that's why we pray unto the Father. We give thanks unto the Father for the bread that we do have because He's the one that gives it. He takes care of us and provides the things that we need. You see. So, there's three that bear record in heaven. You say, well, you know, the Spirit's not the only one in the revelation business. That's true. Go to Matthew chapter 16. You know, Jesus asked his disciples, said, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? They said, well, you're John the Baptist. Some say you're this. Some say you're this other. Whom do you say? Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. So the Father's in the revelation business too. You go to Matthew chapter 11, you're going to find a text where it says, nobody knows the Father, save the Son, and who, he, whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So the Son's in the revelation business too. Because the Father, is, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are all one. Jesus is also referred to the, the, the begotten virgin born son in Isaiah 9 is also the everlasting Father. Okay? He's the mighty God. But yet, I see this truth that the Father is presented as the one that we pray to. We have access through the name of Jesus by one Spirit. There's, a, there's three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. There's not three gods. Jesus is Jehovah God. I'll say the Holy Spirit, Jehovah God. The Father is Jehovah God. In the fullness of the Father, the Godhead resides. The same with the Son, the same with the Holy Spirit. Because there's not three gods. But yet, there's three that bear record. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. These three are one. So pray to the Father. Let me. I'll close with this. We'll close with um, Ephesians chapter 2. You know, we always, usually, we pray to the Father. We usually end it in the name of Christ. <clears throat> Ephesians chapter 2 says this. Speaking of Christ, our Savior, who hath made both one, that is Jew and Gentile. He's broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile. And has made peace through the blood of his cross. It says in verse 18 concerning Christ, through him, that is Christ, we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one spirit unto the Father. The Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, these three are one. Why do we believe it? The Bible teaches. There's only one God. The Bible teaches it. The Bible also teaches the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. But those three are one. Not many gods, but one Lord. The Lord our God is one Lord. May God bless you, is my prayer.